pajamas are going to have to do a lot more than they're doing. They're not doing enough. They're keeping us either cool or warm. But one of my favorite things is pajamas that are made to go straight from the bed to the gym for early morning yoga and workouts. You can literally fall out of bed and then hit the mat. Meet Lisa White, Director of Strategic Forecasting and Creative Direction at WGSN, and my guest for this episode of Lives of Tomorrow. And yes, the night time is the right time, not only for sleeping or the occasional late night out, but also for activities like doing sports, exercises, hiking, dining, shopping, and other stuff that until now have mainly been done during the daytime. The rise of nocturnal living is here, and today we will discuss why it's happening and what opportunities this means for brands and businesses. I'm your host, Carla Bazashi, CEO of WGSN, the world's leading trend forecasting company, and you're listening to Lives of Tomorrow, WGSN podcast about how we're all going to live our lives in the future. Now, before we find out why more of us are shifting our lifestyles to adopt a more nocturnal schedule, Lisa, please, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes, thank you for having me here. So I'm Lisa White, and I am Head of Strategic Forecasting at WGSN, and I've been working in trend forecasting for about 30 years now. So can you explain nocturnal living? Um, What are the numbers that we're seeing that are charting this rise? Basically, it is, you know, rising temperatures are pushing people in the world's hottest regions, and there's more and more of them to live more of their lives in the cool of darkness, which is impacting when they shop, work, rest, and spend most of their their lifestyles. And we know that the Earth's average temperature last year was the warmest on record since we started keeping records in like 1880. And of course, the last 10 years running have been the warmest on record. So we're really seeing people doing more things at night. And the stats are amazing. There was one that really stood out for me. It's, you know, global e-scooter rental company, Lime. A lot of us have tried that. They've noticed a 25% uptick in late night ridership last July 2023 in one of its hotter locations. So they're realizing that people at night are opting to use scooters. And of course, that has huge implications for urban areas and for scooter design as well, too. And another thing that was interesting, too, this is actually in the colder months as well. So even during the winter month of March, we're seeing people eating out at restaurants much more. And open table in the U.S. saw a rise of up to 24% in late night dining in 2023. So we're seeing people doing more things at night, no matter what. And one of the stats I thought that was most fascinating, too, is London's daytime economy is growing by 2%, but its nighttime economy is growing even faster at an extra 0.2%. And we're looking at revenues of 6.6 billion pounds. And so London actually has a nightmare, a night czar, who's tasked with making sure that London thrives at night with culture and activities for all ages, with venues that stay open and urban planning that keeps people happy and safe. Is this nocturnal living movement confined to any parts of the world? So there are still parts of the world that aren't getting hotter or they might be relatively warmer to temperatures they'd experienced before, but it's not delivering a warmer environment for the people who live there. So other parts of the world which this is not going to be relevant to? There really is no place that's getting cooler. So that's kind of uh, off the table. But it's also this, the hybrid lifestyles, the rejection of chrononormativity, where we want flexible times to be able to sleep when we want to sleep or eat when we want to eat or you know go out when we want to go out. So the combination of those things means it will be a global trend, even though it'll be more, more obvious, perhaps, in the hotter areas of the world. What's the advice that you're giving now to companies who create products in terms of pivoting to ensure they're 
I was going to say making the most of this opportunity, but actually delivering to a real consumer need. The companies, you know, we're basically telling them that night is a total opportunity that you have not been looking at. So you are not looking at, it depends on if you specialize that, that's a different thing, but you're not looking at a good 10 hour chunk of time in which you can be thinking of how to make your consumers um, happy, safe, seen, enthralled. It's a huge opportunity. And there are so many ways that we can look at it. If you're, you know, designing a tea kettle or you're designing an entire experience for a large amount of people. The night is this huge untapped opportunity. And most of the clients that we speak to about that, they're like, oh my gosh, yes. Mm. It's really interesting because if you look at a lot of the headlines, it's about nightclubs closing and people aren't, you know, drinking in the ways that they are. This isn't about just partying. This is actually about living your normal life at a different time of the day, right? Exactly. And there's been plenty of different cultures who've done that over time. One of the things I think is really interesting in APAC is they've got Yefe of coffee shops. And these coffee shops are not just open during the day. They're open until midnight. And there's a whole scene happening around them where a lot of people get together and they talk and it's really active and lively. It's not about alcohol. It's about enjoying time together in a wonderful surrounding. So we're seeing that happen in many interesting ways. And it's coming to the United States as well. So your point here is that there are cultures where this is the norm and has been the norm for decades, if not centuries and even longer than that. But as larger swathes of the world are heating up, people are getting used to living at different times or doing their normal daytime practices at different times. And once you get used to that, that then flows into sort of all 12 months of the year. Exactly. And I think that where this is coming from, which is really interesting, is coming from post-pandemic life in a way, because our lifestyles were so shifted during the pandemic. We really wanted to get out afterwards and participate more in parties and concerts and restaurants and in general being the euphoria of being together. But during the pandemic, we really saw a shift in hybrid working, for example, too. And this is something that stuck with us. And that means with a lot of people working from home, they often do focus work at different times of the day. They're no longer working the nine to five. It's really being, you know, getting up early to think or staying up late to think. When did we um, first start spotting this lifestyle shift? So not the, not the cultural one here, but the one that is hitting more of a, of a mass behavior. I do think that, and I don't want to always go back to the pandemic. It always seems like the easy excuse. We have been seeing, you know, examples of that prior. But when everybody was actually having, having their lifestyles that were decided by what they needed during the pandemic, chrononormativity went out the window. We're no longer doing the same thing at the same time as our peers. We've really adopted that flexible living. And I think you'll remember we were discussing the next normal in 2020, and this was part of it. So can you, for listeners to the podcast, can you speak to some kind of real life examples for this increased appetite for nocturnal lifestyles? Well, one of the things that really stood out for us when we were getting together to discuss this is Dubai, for example, has just opened up beaches to nighttime swimming. They've got lifeguards, they've got volleyball nets, they've got all the snacks, and that, that make the beach really fun, but safe as well, too. They've got great lighting. And so there's swimming going on, but that means you've got to have a different type of swimsuit. So seeing people with high-vis swimsuits and uh, these great things called go floats that you can attach to your wrist and people can see the people who are out swimming. Ah, that's very, very clever. Now, let's look at, I guess, a, a, another slant on this. And you have sort of touched on it in that this isn't just about partying and those kind of things. But given 
the obsession around wellness. And it's a topic we talk about a huge amount and this multi, multi multi-billion dollar industry now. How can people be adapting to that while also being mindful of wellness and self-care? Because again, you start thinking, well, does this mean people are not sleeping in the way that they have been because they're living, I guess, doing more in more hours of the day. So what's the wellness slant on this, I guess, is my question. No, that's a great question because nocturnal living will be increasingly tied to wellness. If that means making sure that we get enough cool, quiet and sleep and naps to catch up as well too. So we're going to be seeing a return to nap culture and people looking to get quality sleep at different times of the day. It's in a way a little bit of that Mediterranean lifestyle. So, you know, people in Spain, you know, they get up and they go to work and they have longer lunch times and they can take uh, time to rest during the heat of the day. And then again, go out to dinner much later. So during the day, people are really trying to figure out what they can do for solar sleeping. And Amazon searches for blackout curtains went sky high last summer, for example. You've talked here about people are working from home and therefore you can work at different times of the day and you fit it into your your own sort of practices or when you're most alert and when you feel like you're doing the best amount of work. But we can't pretend that there isn't a pullback to offices. I'm recording this podcast with you today from our office when normally I'm doing podcasts from my home office. You know, lots of big companies now are demanding their employees back into offices on a more traditional nine to five. So how does this fit in? Is this a trend that is peaking and isn't going to continue? Or do you think it's genuinely here to stay, even though the world is in some ways going back to ways that it had operated pre-pandemic? I do think hybrid working is here to stay for those type of businesses that can support it because they find that um, exactly, you know, retention of employees is really important there too. A lot of the younger generations do not want to be in an office nine to five, but they love being in the office and the buzz of the office when they are in. But maybe that's two days a week or three days a week, or maybe sometimes even one. And for the rest of the time, they just feel more comfortable having the flexibility of a lifestyle that revolves around when their brain is at its best. And it's, we know it's not always nine to five. Yeah. Are there any other, coming back a little bit to those examples, things that you believe that maybe aren't happening now, just beginning to happen, but the average everyday person is suddenly going to find that that's something that they're practicing? I'd like to reframe a little bit kind of the idea of sleep as well, too, because sleep is such a focus right now for a lot of people. So the idea of going out and doing all the things is really important, but they want to make sure that they're in prime shape the next day to work or to be well, because sleep is now the third pillar of healthcare, along with nutrition and exercise. So being able to reframe nocturnal living in those terms where you're going out, you're doing all the things and you're coming back, you're actually getting some great sleep. We're going to be needing a lot more help for people. That goes beyond the apps, for example. We're seeing a lot of things in interiors where you end up with mattress toppers that are not just comfy, but they will help thermoregulate your temperature so you can get the ideal amount of sleep that your body needs for the temperature that's best for your body. We're seeing pajamas as well, too, that are temperature regulating, that are infused with ingredients to help you sleep. So I think that that is a really huge potential industry that we are only at the beginning of. Okay, that's really fascinating. Right, we're going to come back to nocturnal living in a minute, but let's jump into some of our reoccurring questions so people can get to know you a little bit more. When are you happy? There's lots of ways, but I was just thinking about this recently because we are, of course, in the cold of uh, February, and I'm really happy when I am hosting a dinner party outdoors late at night with friends and family. Yeah, there's something lovely about that, isn't it? What is, while we're on this topic, what is your go-to dish when you're cooking? 
My go-to dish is always going to be pasta. I always find that no matter what, you get back late, for example, and there's nothing in the fridge. If you've got pasta and olive oil and you know a couple things in the pantry, you can make something really delicious. However big or small, what is your one day-to-day hack that you couldn't live without? So I don't know, it might be an app or something like that. Actually, it's the opposite of a hack, and it's something that I make myself do, but I'm not always successful. And that is putting my phone in another room at night and picking up a book made out of paper and reading. I love that. Your hack is just a paperback book. There is something very, very old school for a trend forecaster uh, about that. But again, these, these questions are flowing beautifully. What is the last book you read and you had to recommend? Okay, and this one is actually on topic because I bought it because of the research that we've been doing. And it's called The Darkness Manifesto by a guy named Johan Eckloff. And he argues in favor of natural darkness and being able to turn off the lights and to be able to see the sky, the night sky. I think in, I think it's over 90% of cities across the world. You can't really see the night sky anymore. Okay, what was the last time or when was the last time you felt uncomfortable or genuinely challenged? I feel uncomfortable every day because I always want to make sure that I'm asking myself difficult questions and taking on things that I'm maybe not comfortable doing and pushing myself. And maybe that's not very healthy, but I try to make myself uncomfortable every day, but not for long. <laughs> okay, well, I'm, I'm going to shift these quickfire questions to make them very on topic. So daytime or nighttime? I would definitely say nighttime because I love being up in the quiet of the morning and thinking about what I need to do for the day and putting down ideas. And then I get this kind of brain fire up as well in the evening. And I think more creatively at that time too, because I think you don't have the same intrusions coming on your mind, you know, if it's a slack or if it's somebody asking you for something. Definitely morning and late evening. Okay. What are your favorite things to do when it's dark? Take a bath by candlelight. That sounds lovely. Favorite nighttime snack? For me, it's not eating, but what I love is fresh mint leaves and hot water. And are you good at sleeping in the daytime? I would like to be because I know how important power naps are because they basically give your brain a rinse cycle. And I was reading in the um, IKEA Life at Home, which is a great report that comes out yearly, and they were saying in their stats that for 20% of people worldwide, naps make them happy. And that goes up to 29% in, uh, in APAC. So I think nap culture is really important. I am terrible at napping. Sleeping during the day is not a skill that I've mastered. All right, let's get back to nocturnal living. What are your top three predictions for the future of nocturnal living? Okay, so the first one is really that nocturnal living will be tied to wellness. And if that means making sure we get enough sleep and quality sleep, or if we're going out, but make it healthy. Like there's this disco club in Palermo, Italy, where the music scene is enhanced by a lot of plants, by filtered light for a kind of a natural and awe-inspiring experience. Again, but that light doesn't go up, it stays down, which is great. And we're talking about at WSN that nature is the new nightclub. And we're seeing even things like party wear that includes heating crystals in the nightclub wear. I'm like, no, I'm just thinking about the nightwear with the crystals. I'm like, okay, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It looks really good. And then cities are going to get busier at night and populations are booming in urban areas. So we're going to have to not only figure out how to share space, but how to share time. Times in which we are active um, with some people being more active during the day and others at night because there's not going to be enough space for us all. And of course, you know, this idea of sustainability too. You need some light in the cities. You need wayfinding to help people feel safe. 
but you also need to um, allow the city to power down as well too. And I guess number three, okay, this is this is actually one of my favorite. It's the pajamas are going to have to do a lot more than they're doing. They're not doing enough. You know, they're keeping us either cool or warm. But one of my favorite things is cosmetic sleepwear. And that's infused with different molecules that help us sleep or skin improving yarns with beauty ingredients like hyaluronic acid, which you normally put on your face. So, you know, your body wakes up beautiful after a, a night out. And then Another favorite thing in the pajama realm, if you will, is pajamas that are made to go straight from the bed to the gym for early morning yoga and workouts. You can literally fall out of bed and then hit the mat. Now that I would be totally on board with because I need to exercise first thing in the morning. And if I could just roll out and then, yeah, to your point, that's like another thing which needs washing and then you can put your gym kit on, something that you could continue wearing. Okay. Whoever creates that first, whichever athleisure sportswear brand out there, I will be your first customer. And what about your predictions in terms of the innovations in this area? I mean, we've talked about them a little bit, but are there any really specific innovations that you see coming this way? Well, one of the innovations that we have talked about, but I think is really important because I even wear this during the day is, again, that sort of high vis wear for sports and working out because we're not going to all be working out during the day. It's going to be too hot. So it's photoluminescent workout wear that you can run at night safely if that's your sneakers, if it's your leggings. My favorite pair of leggings that I got has this lovely sort of pattern on it during the day. But when you run at night, there's constellations that kind of shine and glow and you feel absolutely amazing. So I think there's a lot of uh, potential there. So for, for all the podcast listeners at the moment, Lisa is like my eyes and ears. So when she's traveling, she will message me and say, I've seen this amazing pair of leggings because you know, basically 90% of my wardrobe is leggings. So Constellation leggings, you have not told me about those before. <laughs> now I want them. <laughs> I've, been tri- I've been trialing them. <laughs> okay, amazing. That sounds fab. I think another thing too, you know, going beyond actual physical product is hospitality innovation. There's so much potential there right now because these after dark activities that you can keep your, your guests uh, enthralled with. It can be night sky viewing, cosmic yoga, astrophotography. We're seeing water parks in hotter areas of the world, like Arizona, having night splash events. But the place I really want to visit is a place called Canvas and it's in Utah and it's a hotel shaped kind of like a big tent where lighting is kept to an absolute minimum, again, going down, so the guests can stargaze. And they're given telescopes and blankets and hot cocoa for outdoor astrology evenings. And I absolutely love that idea. Yeah, that sounds beautiful. So how do you think we're going to define nightlife in 10 years' time? Because still, for most of us, if you say nightlife, you're going to think about it in a or maybe this is just indicative of when I grew up. It's still to me is nightlife is clubbing or going out partying. But it doesn't sound like we're going to be defining it that way for much longer. Exactly. There's going to be nightlife for families as well, too. And again, going back to the Mediterranean living, I mean, I was always really surprised and usually starving when it's dinner time. And you've got families out at 8 p.m. having ice cream and the kids are walking around. And then, you know, you can go into dinner and that's a whole nightlife scene. And people are in plazas and they're talking to each other because it's cool and there's a fountain. We're seeing a lot more cities like Paris, where, where I live, and they're oases, you know, they're creating oases so people can gather around them at night. And of course, there'll be people going out. There'll be people also, you know, looking to do craft types of things at night as well, too, getting together and I don't know, quilting outdoors. I think there's just gonna be so many other activities that are nightlife. It's just going to be life, basically. Humans are very adaptable. And we're going to adapt to that very quickly. Yeah. I mean, there's town planning that comes into that as well, isn't there? Because it does come to the, you know, I'm sitting here thinking as a woman, would I be comfortable 
running in London at nighttime by myself? And at the moment, the answer to that would be a would be no. It really would be no. It doesn't matter how like light up my clothes would be. I would be concerned about that. But as temperatures change, when that becomes a must, it's not a choice, it's a must, then town planning, politics, everything kind of aligns here or will need to align to make this work. Exactly. And there's this word that I love that is used, being used more and more. It's called wayfinding. And you find that in public spaces can be indoor or outdoor. And wayfinding in cities and towns at night is going to be super important. So how can people navigate those spaces? How can you create like subtle lighting that makes people feel seen and safe and even enchanted at the same time? And yeah, there's like, I've, I saw this example of this waves of life in a, of light in a city plaza that guide you to the subway. And of course, when you're going home at night, it's always a bit stressful, but the light will kind of accompany you. Yeah, you can take some comfort in there. So when, when are we going to relax then? Because some of these things sound very relaxing, quilting by midnight, but I do still need to switch off at some stages. Is it a kind of reversal? So you find that, does it come back to the idea of napping again? And that's the balance there? Or will there be new ways to switch off because of this? I think, again, the switching off is going to be constant because people want to switch off, not necessarily for eight hours at a time. And when you take a look at anthropological studies in many ancient communities, people do not sleep eight hours. They sleep four, four hours, they get up, they have a snack, they have a chat with their neighbor or their family member, they do something and then they go back to sleep. So I think that that is slowly falling apart because of the fact that people are sleeping so poorly. Maybe we will take a look at fractured sleep as being something that can be positive where you get a good four or five hour chunk and then complete it later on. Again, this is just pure speculation, but that might be where we're going. Perfect. Are you more anxious or hopeful about the future of nocturnal living? Well, I'm an inveterate optimist, so it's always, you know, I'm always hopeful about things because, again, we are very adaptive and we can find very beautiful things in this lifestyle. And of course, it's really important to make sure that we take care that global temperatures do not rise. But since they are rising, we need to adapt to this. And uh, we all have to think about how we can make the future better and the decisions we make every day and not just hope for it. Again, that's what I believe we do at WGSN. We help people make more informed decisions. And this is one of those pivotal moments that we have to discuss. And if you're, you know, a business leader or you're running, well, actually you're running any kind of business at the moment, how do you confront this challenge that you are going to have the demand from your workers to kind of deliver additional flexibility when you are, you might be, one might be already challenged by that demand for flexibility from the flexible work that was offered during the pandemic. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it depends if your work is task-based or if it's working with others-based. Um, and that's always difficult, as we know, being a global company, making sure that you can get people on a call at the same time when one person's in Singapore and the other person is in Iowa. So that's always, uh, you know, a little bit of a challenge. But I think there'll be other ways of getting, of grouping people together. So again, you might have people grouped in a certain time zone um, or temperature zone that will be able to collaborate together. At other times, it'll be basically, you know, uh, more of a task-based type of thing. It's like, as long as you get your job done, just make sure that you get it done at any time of the day or the night that you want to do it. I think you say that thinking that way, grouping people and thinking about it via temperature zone rather than time zone, that is fascinating. That will definitely stick with me. 
Exactly. It's really about just recognizing human beings for being very diverse. And the time where we were all considered one chunk of humanity is doing the same thing at the same time is just over. Nobody wants that anymore. Thank you to Lisa for joining us on Lives of Tomorrow this week. Next week, WGSN's Create Tomorrow podcast is back with another episode examining the future of product and design. If you want to get in touch with us and give us some feedback or input to the podcast, please send an email to lives at wgsn.com. I'm Carla Bazashi, CEO of WGSN. I'll see you next time. 